What's going on, Trophy Kids? We got a great one here for you. We are back for a college episode. Dante joins me. We're wrapping up kind of the big stories and everything that's been going on in college football since we've been gone. Then we're touching a little college basketball, getting into the flow of things here, looking at the broader picture, getting some takes out early in the season. This is a good one. You're not going to want to miss it. Let's go. Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is December 9th, and we are back for the college edition after taking a short little break. And as always, my co-host Dante is on. How are we doing today, good sir? I am doing well. I am doing well. We got lots to talk about. Lots in the world of sports has happened since we uh, last convened a college episode. Yeah. I think the biggest things right now, college football world has got a lot going on. We've got college expansion finally happening we've got mm -hmm. what i think is a little controversy at the heisman ceremony we got dion going to Cl or to colorado and the controversy that that is somehow creating transfer portal controversy the football world is on fire like always i think let's just start with the easy one the heisman trophy okay i have one big problem with the heisman trophy and we were talking pre-show and you're like what's your issue here yeah. my issue I don't have an issue with Blake Corn being left off. Sure, he is the most valuable player probably to that team at this point and has had an incredible season, but I think there's a legit argument that he's not even the best running back in the country, and the award should be the best players. Now, it's become a, a quarterback award. It's quarterback. Dave O'Brien. It's just the Dave O'Brien award again. Um, but Stenson Bennett being, up the, being invited over Hendon Hooker did they just forget Hendon Hooker put on one of the best seasons we have seen in a long time and brought Tennessee into relevance for the first time? I mean, the man gets hurt. They lose to South Carolina, and it's like we all of a sudden just forgot about him. Stenson Bennett, don't get me wrong, great college quarterback, but he isn't the fourth best college quarterback right now, and this award's supposed to be the top four players in college football. If you're inviting Stenson Bennett over Hendon Hooker, I, I, the award is flawed at this point. Yeah, I can see how you can say that. I think my big problem with Stinson being there is that the man is about to be 30. <laughs> so, that Lamar, the Lamar Jackson memes <laughs> are just out of this world. Same age, five years in the NFL, Stinson's playing for his second national championship. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the world we live against, in nowadays. He's playing against 19-year-olds. So, yep. Yeah. It, it, and I don't want to take anything away from him. Great college quarterback. He's done a great job at Georgia and managing that, but he's not better than Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker yeah. had one of the best seasons this year out of the lot of quarterbacks, and we just all of a sudden just left him off. I I think, and you know I don't like to agree with Michigan fans, but like like we saw this with Kenneth Walker last year, and we're kind of seeing this this year with the Michigan's, Michigan's quarterback or running back. And like you alluded to, what do running backs have to do to get invited here? Like, do they have to, like, not get tackled? Like, I don't know what – yeah, because if you're any other position, do you even have a chance at being invited to the – because even up for a receiver, right, you're depending on your quarterback. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, Blake Corm, like I said, I, I didn't have the biggest problem with him because I would argue he's maybe not the best – 
back in the country, like the best running back in the country. But I also do think there's a valid argument for those that are saying he should be invited that, well, yeah. yes, he might not be the best running back in in the position. He's a top three running back, and he was the most important out of the top three to his team. Like, his performance is what drove Michigan to this point, and he was the most valuable player on it, the number two ranked football team. So how do you not invite the number the most important player to the number two team success, not to that award. And that gets back to the fact that they've just made this the Dave O'Brien Award, which is supposed to be the award for the best quarterback in the country, and that's all we're doing is just we're making the Heisman that award again. It's just ridiculous because we're not inviting the best players. Like it, It's just it's unreal at this yeah, point. I guess the other my other why well, I'm not so mad at Stinson Bennett being there is that like he's not going to win this thing. No, he's not. It's just annoying yeah. that Hendon didn't get a call and Stenson <laughs> is getting invited and is getting to be recognized on that stage when he is arguably the better quarterback. <laughs> and yeah. so if you're going to invest the if you're going to just invite quarterbacks, invite the best four. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean USC like Caleb Williams is it, winning this award or he should win this. Yeah, award. he's the best win. player in the country. Yeah, it, USC just couldn't finish against Utah, but arguably they had already lost against. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I mean, yeah, I like the argument of like, and we're gonna talk about this like the playoffs, but like I think, as you say, Caleb Williams is going to win this and, um, you know, get drafted to like the Lions or something. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I mean, I uh, I hope that the Lions don't go out and spend switching gears to football. Go out and spend a boatload of money on a quarterback because they need to spread the resources around and can get a relatively cheaper, younger option and a cornerstone of the franchise. Like they're in that perfect mode where as long as they don't blow it all on a quarterback and free agency and they go through the draft and they draft a good, a decent quarterback, like they have a shot to really make some noise. But if they blow it all on a quarterback in the NFL, I do think the Lions are going to this upward trajectory they're on is going to start to come down because they don't have the resources to upgrade if the they, other positions they need to upgrade. If they spend money on a quarterback, I already don't watch the NFL, but if they spend money on a quarterback, I have one Lion shirt in my uh, arsenal of shirts. I will literally put that shirt down the garbage disposal <laughs> if they spend money on the <laughs> When there will be multiple quarterbacks for you to take, I guarantee you, Detroit, there will be multiple quarterbacks for you to take. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's good. Yeah. There's a good crop of quarterbacks here. Um, so yeah, let's 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 not do that, lines. And we talked about it a little on the NFL pod. Like let's let's be smart here in the front office. You've got a good thing going. You got a great offensive line. You got decent weapons. You you need to get a, a true number one wide receiver, but you have a lot of good young wide receivers. You got a good running back room. The defense is sort of starting to come together. Still needs a lot of improvement, but it's like at least it's you know at the beginning of the season they couldn't stop Service a nosebleed. Yeah, they like, they couldn't they could not stop a damn nosebleed. Swish cheese was that defense, and at least now they're they're putting up some resemblance of a fight. So you got to allocate resources there. Maybe go out and get a true number one. You're not going to get them this year in free agency because I don't. There's not really a true number one I would spend money on in this free agency class. But like, just don't blow it all on a, a quarterback. Yeah. Um. All, all right. right. Let's move on to probably the next realm of where people may or may not have issues. I think we're going to be on the same page here, and yeah. that is the college football right. playoffs. Now, I think people are mistakenly thinking that the college football playoffs is about finding the best. Four teams 
It's not that way. College football has never been about finding the best football team. It's about finding the most deserving team in yeah. this era. And before that, it was about essentially the hype training. I mean, because at the beginning of the day, the top two teams didn't even used to play each other. It was a it was a various writing writers that would put a poll together and they'd play at various bowl games and then they would pick the national championship. And then we got the BCS era where the computers were doing it. And now we got this playoff system and it college football. Like, I don't know if people have just been sleeping and are now waking up and realizing, but college football has never had a process about finding the true number one player. And that's probably because the NCA doesn't actually run the championship that it's, it's separately run. It's not like basketball and all the other sports, we're finally going to get that with an expansion, thank God, a system that does actually try to vet and find the best team. But right now, I do think that the committee got the four most deserving teams based on the criteria they've set forward. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure here, I'm, I am a Michigan State fan, which in turn means I'm a Big Ten fan. As so you may have not great. noticed if you're watching the video, the Michigan State hat he's currently wearing. Yeah. So <laughs> you don't say. For the, for the Big Ten. Um it's the two teams I dislike the most in the Big Ten, but it's still great for the Big Ten. With that said, if you're mad at Ohio State getting in, your other option was Alabama. And how many times have we seen them in the college football playoffs? Man, and this iteration is just not the same. It's we've talked about it all season. This yeah. is not the same Alabama. I would argue Tennessee has more of a case. Yeah, even Hendon, exactly. even though Hendon Hooker is down. That immediately when he got injured, you saw the shock to the system in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and they didn't respond well. But then after that, they started to play good again. It was just they had to get through that initial shock wave, get the backup, his feet kind of wet, and then it started. It didn't look the same as Hendon Hooker in there, obviously, but it still looked very efficient. Like they have a better case than Alabama does, in my opinion. Yeah, sure. You were going to get another SEC team in there, so I think. Who wins here? Michigan and TCU, I think, are your huge winners here. But it sucks for TCU to have to play Michigan. But also, like, I don't know. I mean, they would have to play Georgia. I don't know there. I'm not upset about this. Like, this is the most, like, milk toast uh, college football playoffs I've ever had. Like, I don't see the controversy around it. Yeah. And I don't don't even see it with Ohio State. Yes, they got their teeth kicked in by Michigan again and lost. And I always say it's it's not necessarily the loss it's the way in which you lose yes that matters but we've seen georgia they just did it get beat by alabama and then come back and win a national championship and not look good in that first matchup so it's not as if ohio state just because they lost one game should necessarily be out now sure that game looked horrible and ryan day i think takes a ton of blame because i was watching that game and when they didn't go for it late in the i think it was the fourth when when stroud wanted to go for it he's like now we're putting Right there, they lost the game because the fight, the the fight out of the players, you could just see leave their body, and then things went off the rails. So it, it's Ryan Day playing chicken shit football that lost them. That I mean, they were going to yeah. lose anyway, but the, getting their teeth kicked in style—that's on Ryan Day. <laughs> yeah, I think too. Like for Ryan Day, I don't want to say like beating Georgia is a must-win, but beating Georgia m- makes your seat less hot. Or yeah. warm. I'll say I'll say Ryan's day. I won't say the seat is hot. I want no controversy. I don't want Ohio State people in our mentions. Or maybe <laughs> I'll I take them on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll do. His seat is definitely warm. You can't lose to Michigan twice in the same fashion. Well, here's the other problem too, is right now the narrative is Day has this team playing soft. 
And you know what Georgia's mm-hmm. defense does? They hit hard as hell. Sure, it's not the team from last year, but it is still extremely athletic, and they do pride themselves on hitting hard and punching you in the mouth early and seeing how you respond. This goes back to the like Georgia take that I had earlier in the season where it's like, this still is a very good team, but they play with their food. We've seen that throughout the season, and when they want to get it going like they did early in that SEC championship game, they get it going. And so you cannot be Ohio State here, get punched in the mouth early, and respond the same way you do to Michigan because then the narrative of you're playing soft football sticks. Like, it's just that is you. That's Ryan Day not instilling the kind of fight in his team that they need to have and be physical. We talked about this early in the season with OSU um, and the competition in which they were playing. And one of the things that I said was that OSU, kind of like Michigan State at times, is addicted to the big plays. Yeah, I think that OSU, in order to win this game, will have to cash in on all of their big plays. Yes, they will. And it sucks that uh, Njigba's not going to be there. Mm-hmm. He's not even going to be on the sideline. Like that is that's one. Yeah. Like it's one thing to say, hey, you know what? I haven't been able to stay healthy all season. I'm not playing in this. I'm not risking my future, but I'm going to still be with the team and I'm still going to help the wide receiver room and I'm going to still help them watch film and tape and give my opinions on things and be a team member. No, he's just like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out of the facility. I'm gone, which is a wild move. I'm, I think two very separate things. It's the one part I didn't like about his move, but I guess that's neither here nor there. There's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of people chirping players, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. And it seems like there, there is this huge pendulum swing about being player positive. And, and being for the players, and now we're starting to see this pendulum swing back in the media. Um, I think it's the fine move, but that that definitely hurts them in this Georgia matchup because, they, like you said, they're going to need every big play they can get, and they're going to need their athletes to be athletes in winning space because Georgia is a very tough nut to crack at this point. We have seen Georgia overlook teams this year, and if they overlook Ohio State, they're going to be upset. They have, but I think that goes back to my theory of they kind of play with their food and they know what time it is. They know what, what what's in stake now, and now they can see the finish line, and they're like, all right, let's get cooking with gas. And then you got the TCU-Michigan matchup, which is actually going to be very interesting because TCU has had a horseshoe shoved up. You know it's what because they have had some lucky, lucky breaks. But there is something to say about a team that doesn't hang its head low and always believes they're in a game that helps manufacture some of those breaks. And that's something that Michigan's going to have to be careful about because you cannot sleep on Duggan in this team because they can strike quick if they need to. But Michigan should handle this pretty easily, I think. This shouldn't be that big of a fight, but they do have to be very careful because, like I said, TCU always believes they're in the game no no matter how bad it looks, and that's what's allowed them to create some just chaos plays late in games. Yeah, I think the plan here is very simple for Michigan. You play keep away from TCU. You Absolutely. don't let them you don't let them get the ball or you force three and outs very quickly. TCU has an explosive offense, but it's not um it's not consistent, right? And I, we saw what that like the K-State like you saw that when they can't continue to perform at a high enough level and Michigan is going to bludgeon them in the in the trenches. This is not saying that TCU can't win this game. It's Michigan you're playing. Stranger things have happened. I would love to see the Horn Frogs get one over on Michigan, but it's hard for me not to tell people to like buy the kitchen sink on Michigan with this yeah, one. I mean like, the, it's it's yeah. the exact same game plan you rolled out against Ohio State. We saw it's a great point what Kansas City did had or Kansas City, Kansas State 
um, the first matchup not lost two quarterbacks and relied on a third-string quarterback, they would have won that game. Then they won the, the champ, Big 12 championship, and the rest would be simple. Lean on your run game, and then your quarterback has to just be athletic and make some plays. And J.J., to his credit, it's the reason I bet against Michigan, and he shoved it right in my face, is I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to to make the big plays and be dependable. And he wasn't that Ohio State game. I mean, the man showed up and played way better than he played virtually all season. He's got to have a version of that where he makes the play on third down. And then this defense, your biggest problem is you just got to double Quinton Johnson, who is an absolute problem on the outside. I mean, that man, talk about a a, a prime draft pick. This dude is going to be a baller in the NFL. Um, As long as you limit him. I think the matchups favor Michigan. Now we'll we'll jump more into it as we get closer to the playoffs and break it down more. But I think I think the formula's simple. It, it's the exact same game plan you rolled out against Ohio State because they're very similar teams in style. Yeah, I will say this about um, Michigan's quarterback. If you go back and watch that Ohio State game, yes, was he making throws? Um, sure, those were not highly accurate throws. So give one to the receivers. But more importantly, I think it's the offensive line there that you need to give. Oh, they all yeah, but we've been giving credit to them as one of the better yeah. units in college football. <laughs> I've been harder on JJ though this season because I thought early in the season I was like, oh, okay, it's not bad. Like he's he can definitely grow yeah. over the course of the season. He did not. He plateaued and arguably at times went down, as we saw in various games, i.e. Rutgers. Um and to have that type or of Or Maryland. Or Maryland, yeah. I mean, there's multiple games on the board, but to have that kind of performance in the horseshoe, I thought deserves a little bit of a shout out because I've definitely been harder on him on this podcast. And I think he played definitely better than we've seen him play this year and played to the kind of player we thought we were going to see out of him mostly. So we'll see if that can stay consistent. But I do think they have a very favorable matchup. God, it'd be awesome if we could get Ohio State, Michigan for the national championship. I think the world might explode if that happens. I saw some people saying like that would be the worst thing for the CFP, and you. I don't know if y'all know that Ohio State versus Michigan was the most watched college football game. Like people will lit- that, that game. Two marquee programs. Everybody in the country knows them. Numbers. <laughs> and everybody has an opinion on them. Any college, yes. anybody yeah. who watches college football has an opinion on them. You don't yeah, have that like with every team. Of the most hated teams in the nation up there with like USC and Notre Dame and Alabama like, at this yeah, point. Yeah, Alabama. Yeah, like of course. Now, granted, you already saw this game, but it will be totally, wholly different in a championship. I would hope level. so. Yes. The yeah, worst outcome we, is Georgia TCU. That is the worst outcome. Yeah, you don't want to <laughs> see that. That is something we do not want to see because that will be an at like I'll fear for the safety of the TCU kids. Honestly, at that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, you saw Bama versus Georgia. Like, why does the SEC get to do it, but the Big Ten doesn't get to do it? Why is, why is there a problem there? I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. it, especially in a down year with the SEC. But Exactly. So, there. I, yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> All right. If you don't think that this is not going to happen with an expanded playoff, you're Oh, I can't wait. It's more like I think it's more likely to happen. Dude, getting home games in that first round to in the expanded playoffs is going to be awesome. Can you imagine an SEC team playing a game in December in 
or uh, Ann Arbor or like any northern school if Wisconsin and Fickle get good wait <laughs> like, oh my wait God. until they have to come and play in the snow because they refuse either they come in the summer right yeah or they make the big 10 teams go to them I cannot wait oh my God wait until there's snow on the ground oh. and you got to go to Happy Valley yep Happy you Valley have- Columbus. <laughs> Madison, Wisconsin, if Luke Fickle Madison, gets that program going, one or Ann Los Arbor, Angeles. Michigan. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> you got to go to the Rose Bowl in the winter. Oh, wait. No, nah, still be yeah, nice. that'll still nah. yeah. <laughs> That would be beautiful. That would actually be a great experience. I'll, I'll enjoy that game, though, nonetheless. Um, all right. I think the next biggest thing we got to cover in college football. It, yes, we're late to the game. But that's because we record later in the week. But Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State to go to Colorado Everybody seems to have an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Most opinions, I believe, are wrong on this, but I'm going to let you go ahead and take this one first as to what you think about this um, because I, people are all over the place with this one. I think most people are going to be pretty disappointed, in my opinion, and think that I probably should be more opinionated on this, but I don't like. I don't blame Dion for going to Colorado, and I don't blame Jackson State fans, football players, um, and the athletic department being upset with him for going to Colorado, especially after he came and said God put him there. Once he said that, if I think if he doesn't say that part, if he doesn't say like God put me there, I think most people wouldn't have an opinion on this. That man is going to make more money. That's, at the end of the day, that's what this is about, ladies and gentlemen. I I wholeheartedly believe that HBCUs and smaller colleges should get a bigger bite at this puck, but that's just not the reality in which we live. Therefore. A coach like uh, Dion will elevate that program to a certain point and then get picked off by another one. This this is what FCU schools do all the time. Um, so, all right, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not mad at Dion. I'm, I'm with not you mad at Jackson State. Yeah, like I don't. I, I think that's the right. I, but Bonnie yeah. Jones said it best as far as the the legit criticism and the way he marketed his decision to be at Jackson yes. State in the first place. And I think all of us just wanted so badly for it to be the first time where somebody just kind of stuck it out and just built a smaller program. But that's not the reality. And here's the biggest part. This isn't as big of a deal now because kids have freedom to move around. Mm-hmm. So when the coach leaves, they're not stuck there. This would be a way bigger problem if he gets Travis Hunter, the number one recruit in the country last year, to commit to Jackson State. And then one year later, he dips out to Colorado and Hunter's now stuck at Jackson State or has to sit out a year and waste a year of talent because Dion left now. Now everybody's free to go everywhere. And I think you're right. It's insane to think that Dion shouldn't take this. One, it's more money for him. It's more money for his coach assistant coaches. It's better exposure for the players that follow him because he's bringing guys from Jackson State that are going to get better exposure. It elevates a program within the Pac-12 and the Power Five. Like, it's good for sports. Mm -hmm. And the biggest part is, like, this isn't as big of a problem anymore because players have freedom. And that's that's been the biggest thing, always from my point of view, is when coaches leave, they strand guys that they sold a message on. We're going to build it here. I'm with you for the long term. They dip early, and then those kids are stuck holding the bag. Not the case anymore. And so this... Like, there should be no blame. The only blame is what Bobani Jones broke down, which is the way he sold the message at Jackson State. And that, I think, endeared him so much to all of us. And we were just hoping for that feel-good story of, like, oh, he's going to stick around for, like, 10 years and really build this thing through. But, like, 
that was a fantasy in like the best wishes. He did his job. He brought a spotlight yeah. to HBCUs. He changed the game. He got recognition to that school. He brought in money. He got players to to think alternative ways about what schools they choose and why they choose them. And now he's taking a bigger opportunity. That's that's my yeah. opinion on it. <laughs> the there's a couple of things I didn't like about Dion. One, him talking about the crime statistics of Colorado, at which I, I was that. just like, "Yeah, that was weird. weird." I was like, "I don't understand that." Yeah. Um, and then two, insinuating that his his um, son would be quarterback right off the bat. That was the wildest move I've ever seen. In yeah, my, in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, "That's not how that works," that, or "It's not how it's supposed to work." Could but, you imagine <laughs> if, like, I don't know. Nick Saban went to a school and like his son, we don't like it. He isn't even going to hold a competition. He's just like, nah, he's the starter. Like it's one thing to be like, my son's coming. So get ready to compete. But he's like, nah, just go ahead and transfer out. Like I got my dudes. Y'all are bums. Yeah. Leave. That's why I don't like it because it sends the even if everyone knows this, right? It sends right. the wrong message to the students that are there, the student athletes that are there. Like, like you said, now I'm transferring. Why do I even stay here? And then, you know, how what precedent is he setting for uh the buffs? Now, on the flip side of this, it is up to Jackson State's university and their athletic program. There is not another Deion Sanders, so you can you can nope. throw that away. That that person doesn't exist. But there are plenty of charismatic, hardworking coaches that are working as assistants somewhere or maybe even still in high school or in the FCS um, that you can lure away with the base that Dion has already built. Absolutely. The facilities are better and getting upgraded since he's been there. The money coming to the program is better. Like the program is left in a better spot, not left in a worse spot. Like it's sometimes in when coaches leave and they kind of leave the covered bear. He is leaving. Even big name programs can fall victim to that. Yep. hundred percent. Oftentimes do. Yeah. The other, and I think, you know, uh, Jackson state has to capitalize and you can't get caught in this narrative. The narrative is already done. Prime is gone. He is gone. But how will you, as an institution, capitalize on your star being elevated right now? Also, you have all the sympathy in the world too yep. right now. Use it. Use all of it. I got. I wish I was there to be their PR person, their comms <laughs> person. I would be all over this because I think right now you could probably lure a good coordinator from a top program to come there and prove and lean into the narrative of like, you know. Someone came in here to build this, but I'm here to get it across the finish finish line. And but the other thing you have to realize too is if you do that, if you do this well, that that person is going to leave too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's going to be a stepping stone at always. But that's what programs have had to deal with forever that aren't major Power Five programs. Um, the one thing also that made me just laugh in that whole Dion saga is when he was speaking to the the players and he was like, no more hats in my meeting. And meanwhile, he is wearing a Colorado hat. And it's like, it's just that so perfect. Yeah. And then he's like, no hoodies. It's like, do you know where you're coaching? You're not, you're not in Mississippi anymore. This is Colorado. Yeah, it gets cold. <laughs> freezing in Colorado. Yeah. Unreal. Just the awareness was, uh, Unreal. But yeah, undoubtedly it's good. And I think it, it once again, people always want to talk about the downsides of the transfer portal. 
and like how it's leaving kids. This is the benefit of it. Like this is the massive benefit of it. And people wanted to highlight kind of the negatives because we're seeing this groundbreaking amount of people entering the transfer portals. Kids deserve to get better opportunities because they went to a lower program school because nobody believed them at the power five level. They built themselves up and now they might have an opportunity to go transfer to a, a big-time school and play big-time college football. Sure, there's the reverse, the JT Daniels of the world that are just bopping around to every school that will take them year after year. And there's guys that are definitely going to slide backwards in that equation. But I think overall this is a net positive for college football and a net positive for the college athletes to have more flexibility on where they go, especially when coaches leave. This is the prime example of prime doing it. Um, so all these people also, that are losing their mind. I'm not turning down $5 million. I'm just not. No. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, and that's the same thing with NIL money and all that. Like, I, I think college football for the first time, yes, there are still kinks to be worked out in this process. There are still things that need to be refined. I think we're going to start to see a couple of years from now an abuse of that NIL system. And by abuse, I mean outside people taking advantage of the kids yeah, yeah. and their money Absolutely. and there's going to need to be some reform around this and i think the transfer portal maybe there's ways to maybe work that a little bit better so kids aren't the negative side and the downside isn't there for the kids who maybe are going to lose credits and not graduate on time because they're transferring back and forth to so many schools or they you know they have in their mind hey i got an offer from oklahoma state i'm playing at oklahoma state i'm going to enter the portal i'm going to get a better school in reality no you're not because you didn't perform at oklahoma state and now you're backsliding to a much worse school and a much worse opportunity. So there's going to be a feeling out process, but I think for the first time as a college football fan, the overall world looks good. I mean, we have an expanded playoff that's going to get us a true champion. We've got kids that are making money off their likeness and their image and their ability to uh, craft a message around themselves and a personality, a brand. We've got freedom of movement. Like I think college football Mm -hmm. is about to be in its best years and parody is about to finally become a thing in this sport that so badly needs it. That's my thought on it in my small little rant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about like black big name black coach at a black school selling that dream. Yes. And that that also deserve deserves to be talked about and criticized. Yeah. Um I yeah, that a hundred percent is because there's a sense of solidarity there that most was hoping Dion would, like you said earlier, stay there, build something for a long time. But as was pointed out um, by a reporter from an article I read not too long ago, Dion has never, never stated that he was staying there for the long haul. That that was just something that long haul. That's just something we all felt at the time. Yep. Um, but at the same token, I would be to say that he did not change the perception of HBCU football. That is wrong. Um, but I think he deserves the there's critiques there i i think you have to put this in context about there's both a racial context here absolutely but the other context here is context here is coaches do this literally all the time look at purdue yep yeah Louisville so, getting a huge upgrade, by the way. Their coach right, goes yeah, to Cincinnati, so. and they get a way better option in Jeff Rom. So that situation couldn't have worked out better for them. But, yeah, similar thing. Yeah. And guess what? Cincinnati. I yeah. don't mind that situation because guess what? The players at Purdue aren't stuck now with a coach that didn't recruit them, and they don't necessarily know. They can make a decision based on who they bring in and then decide what to do. Like, that's the point. And I, I think you're 100% right. There's a fair way to criticize Dion. 
but he was also very open about the fact that if a power five came in, I mean, I remember my old man self sitting on the couch watching that 60 Minutes piece on him, and in that interview he said, I have to look at it. If somebody gives me a deal because it's going to elevate my assistant coaches who are getting paid pennies on the dollar right now, it's going to elevate me, it's going to elevate my kids that I'm coaching and the opportunities they're going to have, Like I have to evaluate that. doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but I have to evaluate if it's the right situation. So at least he was somewhat honest, but then there was the other darker side that Bobani Jones, I think, was the the main one leading that march of it was the way in which he marketed it, the way in which he yeah. sold it, the language yep. he was using about God sent me here to be kind that, of the messenger and vessel. Like that's that is that was wrong, and that and that's what makes face, this difficult. He became the face of HBCU sports, right? Yes, and that that in and of itself, which was great is, at the time, but it makes this yeah, part it was great tough. at the time to depart to leave the way you are leaving is what makes it like I think if this was like five years in you we probably wouldn't be having the same type of conversation yeah like Travis but it, gets through he, his career the first major star you land that type of stuff yeah I'm with you yes but now it feels so quick yeah right I'm with you um, but there and we're also leaving out another part of this which we just probably don't have time to get into and I don't really know all the aspects of it but like uh one the facilities like the, the facilities being um, upgraded and how much Dion had to donate of his own salary to get there, which again is not dissimilar to what coaches do in big and power fives. Ask Jim Harbaugh. He always donates his bonuses back to his university. Um, but the other thing too is like, did Dion accomplish what he wanted to accomplish at Jackson state? He improved their record tremendously. They went to the championship twice. Right. So like, and they've they've and they proved that they could play a with new field, uh, I believe too out of it. Yeah. Like they got a sponsor yeah. new practice field and like they brought in corporate sponsors, if I remember. Like, yeah. Increased donations and some of the stuff, right, is not athletic. They got that game day down there. Game day was at game day. Think about that so, for a second, people. Game day was in an HBCU game in the year twenty twenty two. Like, think about how monumental that is for the moment. Yeah, I'm not mad at no, I'm mad at. I'm not mad at Dion for going to get five million dollars. Whether it's about a bag or not, sure. At the same token, if you want to criticize him, sure. I'm not yeah. going to be mad at you for criticizing him either. That's fair. I agree. I think we covered that one very well, to be honest. Yeah. I think. I think we have once again. This is why people come to our podcast. It is reasonable, sensible takes about what situations in sports going on. We're not here to get clickbait hot hot takes. Um, no. on some other programs that, whew, man, the hot take <laughs> game right now is absolutely on it's fire. Selling. Look, if you want me to get a hot take, I, I got it. I oh, got it. Fire away. <laughs> <laughs> My hot take before, because I know we're going to switch to college basketball. We are about to switch to college second. basketball, yep. My hot take for a second was that Texas was probably the best team in the country, and then um, oh. they got embarrassed. <laughs> I I was on that Texas. I'm you know mine right now is Florida State. Florida State's the best team in the ACC. They were they got unlucky with some injury luck at the beginning of the season. They're rocking and rolling and expanded playoff. They would have done some things. That's that's my view. Is Florida State the ACC championship game? left out the best team in the ACC at the end of the season, which is another argument for why college football doesn't have a yeah. true blue system of true. finding the best because it is the one sport we all watch and consume at an insane level 
that doesn't value the fact that a team can get better over the course of a season and a team can get worse over the course of the season. Florida State is a prime example. Sucked at the beginning of the year. Some of that was injury luck or bad injury luck. Some of it was just miscommunications and having to get into a rhyme. But by the end of the year, that team was cooking with gas and looking pretty damn good uh, most of the time. Yeah. yeah. That's where I'm at with that. And same with Texas. I love Texas. A couple bad breaks, but whew, they were on the right path. Um, all right. Ready to talk a little college basketball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, Let's switch gears it. a little bit because it's basketball is now running parallel. Now, I don't get super into it until football officially dies, but I'm starting to look at some things. I'm starting to look at the landscape, and mm-hmm. I think the team I was the hottest on last year is hitting its mark this year. Okay. Can you please tell me why UConn is not a top three team in college basketball this year? Because that team looks damn good right now. It's hard for me to argue with. I what I want to say for UConn is that they're not a complete team and they're finding ways to get it done at the end of the night. But that's also also quintessential to how you build a, a winning team is to not have all the pieces and still figure out how to get things done. Um I think my one my one big like knock against Dan Hurley and his team is that that three their threes don't fall all the time but hell when you're shooting 51% from the rest of the floor they don't have to yeah this is true and when you're running a super efficient offense in a very efficient defense it it makes hard to beat but you're right it's it's a team i was very high on them last year i was a i think i was a year too early on uconn because i was very high at the end of the season last year when we were going into the tournament i think i had them in my final four to be honest um like i was way too high on them last year but i was just a year too early i love love uconn this season um and i think they're going to be dangerous and staying in the big east and then we can go college basketball abroad and big 10 and all that Xavier Musketeers. I'm a homer, as we know, with the light, my alter monitor there, but Xavier right now is looking pretty damn good. I mean, for a program last year that didn't even make the tournament, we finally got a coach in Sean Miller that matches our talent level and elevates it, and we see that by playing Indiana, Duke, and Gonzaga, all superior teams to Xavier and lost by a combined 13 points to those three teams. Those are all top 10 teams in my book. The team played efficient basketball. There are things to work on. This is not a complete team yet. But like my biggest argument is like iron sharpens iron. These were great games to get out there. And then once you lose those three games, what do you do? You come back and beat a, a pretty damn good West Virginia team. Sure, they're not like an elite basketball team, but they're a good, they're a very good basketball team. And you come back, you get a statement win there. I'm very excited for what Xavier could look like down the road here as they start to learn how to play together and, and how the Sean Miller system is going to work. So Xavier, I know it's a homer pick because I that's my alma mater, but my God, am I excited about Xavier basketball this year? I have two knocks against Xavier. One, uh, depth, not really there for them right now. Yeah, it's going to work out a little bit. Yeah. Like Kunkel was <laughs> like when Kunkel missed that Gonzaga game, that was a huge miss. Like we're, that game is much more winnable if Kunkel's in there, and it, it showed. Like, Nunji had to go out of his mind for us to be in that game. And then if Xavier keeps losing these close games for quad one, we're going to find ourselves in the same place they found themselves in last year with not enough quad one wins and running out of time to be in there. So, like, you got to win this UC game, right? 
oh, we're winning that game. We're eating their lunch. That game's not yeah. even close this weekend. That team, that, oh my God. Did you see what, what Wes Miller sent out this week about like we got to gobble them or whatever? I was like, what <laughs> no, corny ass is coaching you see? No, I didn't see that. Oh my no. goodness, I got to find it. But yeah, like you're right. We, we, we can't have all these quad one losses, but West Virginia should be a quad one win by the end of the year. We'll see. But we got UConn, Creighton, and I think St. John's is going to be borderline by the end of the season because I really like what St. John's is potentially starting to elevate to be. Yeah, um, that West yeah. Virginia game. Yeah, I'll, if they strike out to be a quad one, you be. You're, I think you're set. Um, because you got enough. If you can steal one from Connecticut, you're good. You yep. can definitely beat Creighton, right? You want Creighton to stay hot and then beat them. They they gotta come to Cincinnati to play, um, so you got you you will have multiple bites at the apple if yep. you're Xavier. You gotta get healthy though. This is true, and we gotta stay healthy. All right, Wes yeah, Miller. Exactly. Here's the quote. God, this is so corny. <laughs> this man, the Battle of the Millers. It's Miller time in Cincinnati. He said when asked about, "Are you prepared to play Xavier on Sat this Saturday?" He goes, "We're ready to gobble up their behinds on Saturday." Oh my god. A grown man said gobble up their behinds. What? That's the message he's delivering. We're gonna absolutely Sean Miller is going to eat his lunch on Saturday. Yeah, that's not that's not great. No. Um, all right. Talk to me about college basketball abroad. Big ten, big twelve. I'm seeing a lot of the same themes I saw last year, a lot of the same teams that were in the mix last year. What's different? What's new in your opinion? What do you got for us here? feel like college basketball is in the same place that college football is this year where there's not like really true dominance happening here. Um, look no further than North Carolina and Kentucky. Oh my God, who, North Carolina. Is that the fraudulent, the most fraudulent number preseason number one you've seen in your life? They might, I, hey, I, you know, fraudulent number ones. <laughs> they do. I've been on the, I've been on the other side of those. So, uh. <laughs> this is true. And granted, they did the same thing last year. They were terrible at this part of the year. And then at the end of the year, they turned it on. So who knows? The book isn't written on them, but my God, yeah. talk about I a rough think- start. So, and you talked about some controversy. I don't think Houston, like, I know everybody is on Houston. We, I, we're on the same, my brain, like, I saw them and I was about to ask you, tell me Houston <laughs> isn't fraudulent because my immediate first thought was that's a fraudulent team. That's the same team they are every year. They're going to be super yes. hyped going into the tournament and the yes. same thing's going to happen every year. Am I wrong? They get out coached and that's, Drop Houston in the Big Ten right now and see what happens. Drop them in the Pac-12. Or... <laughs> oh, yeah. Any, really, anywhere. <laughs> Big anywhere, 10 sure. yeah, anywhere. That's the other thing. So that's what it is. I don't believe in Texas. We, I was just talking about that earlier. Um, and clearly uh, Purdue didn't believe in them either. No. Um, but Illinois, I think, is the team that everybody should watch out for. They're going to get – this is the problem with teams like Illinois. When you get into Big Ten play, they're going to get beat up. Just yep. like every other Big Ten team gets beat up. And I think based on what they're – based on how they win uh, – and I said Purdue earlier. It was Illinois earlier that beat Texas, my bad. Um, based on what their record is when they come out of the Big Ten will probably make them get a one of those teams that you see in your bracket at a lower um, at a lower seed than they probably should be. Um, based on what happens in the Big Ten, if Purdue keeps humming along like it is, I think Purdue is going to steal the spotlight from Illinois. 
Uh, and I'll get out of the Big Ten. It's not a lot happening in the Big Ten, really. Like, Michigan was a preseason rank. Michigan State, both those teams have, like, milling or falling off. Michigan State is not healthy. I'm Michigan not impressed is, with Michigan at all right now. I watched yeah, one Michigan of their games. In it. It, given <laughs> it's a very small sample, it was one game, and I had it on on, like, the second TV, so I wasn't watching it. I can't even remember who it was, but I just remembered my biggest takeaway was like, nah, that team feels a little flat. <laughs> it could yeah. have been a flat night, but I was like, mm, this seems like a flat team. I think another team that I am like, they're not ranked right now, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like my sleeper, so to speak, is uh, them boys down at Virginia Tech. Oh, I like that. Speak to me. I was going to say, Two things. Brad Underwood feels like he's been knocking at that ceiling, and it's a it's it, it does feel like this could be the year they maybe finally punch through. But talk to me a little bit more about Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech last year they were a little feisty. They were a feisty team at times. I they got they won me a good amount of money in the ACC tournament to say the least. Talk to me a little bit about what you're liking there, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is a it, I like virginia takes takes length and size and i think it bothers a lot of teams now i said that <laughs> and they barely beat charleston southern uh, so but they put on a clinic against north carolina yeah and we saw that last year too where you know they got hot at the right time towards the end of the season they were playing really good basketball they got to that acc championship and they were a lethal team um and yeah that i mean clinic against unc Clinic against Minnesota, Dayton was nothing for them. Um, not that program's no, up, but, but Dayton also like that, that team should be better than it is. They're hurt. Yep, but the They're UNC hurt. game I think was impressive just because we know that that UNC team is a competent basketball team and they still mm-hmm. looked good in that game. Yeah, I think they shared the ball well too at the Hokies. I think there's like. No unselfish players there, but I'm telling you that it is their size that people aren't ready for there. Like, their guard play is okay, but when you're just longer than the other team and you can jump in between those pass lanes, which I think is what bothered North Carolina a lot, um, and just snatching rebounds from everyone, it's it's over. So I, I do like Virginia Tech. Um, as far as the rest of the college basketball world, I have not. The only time I stayed up to watch um, West Coast basketball was during the PK-80 um, or 84, whatever we're on. So I haven't really watched much of it. I've been, I've been much like Big Ten, Big East, because that's usually what this podcast is. It's our bread um, and butter here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Big Ten, I think my biggest takeaway so far is it's going to be another Big Ten where the the – the big men just beat up each other. There's a lot of physical teams down low. I mean, Indiana was very physical down low when we played them. You know what Purdue's bringing down low this season. We know, like, it's just, it's like the pinnacle of Big Ten basketball is, I think, at its height right now when we talk about not so much the guard play, but down low in the paint is going to be a very physical year. And I think it's it's going to be crucial to get out healthy. Like, I... I I'm more worried about what teams are going to make it through healthy in the Big Ten. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe you got a different opinion on it, but that's my at least initial takeaway for Big Ten basketball is it's going to be a physical year down in the paint. Yeah, and the Blue Bloods have um, blood in the water, so to speak. So I think people aren't scared of your Kansas, your Kentuckys, your mm-hmm. North Carolinas. I mean, look at the Zags. The Zags for the first time 
aren't going to be undefeated or just with one loss coming into their conference play. Also, with that said, Gonzaga fans, if you lose two games in your conference, you may be looking at a bubble. <laughs> How is Timmy still on that team? How is that man still in college basketball? I feel like, talk about Stenson Bennett being around the block a couple times. I feel like that dude's 32 at this point. I don't know how. You know, I didn't think about that, that Timmy has been there for so long. I thought those players on North Carolina had been there for a long time. But when I looked it up, they they weren't. They are only like sophomores and juniors. So I don't, that goes to say like, now I don't know how old anyone is. <laughs> College basketball has always been that way. Villanova is the biggest criminal with that ever, where they've got like that one white guard that's just been around forever, and you feel like that that he's always there. But yeah, Drew Timmy, I. I remember watching Xavier play them, and I'm just sitting there like, how the hell is this guy still in college basketball? I feel like I've watched him for the last 10 years at this point. Yeah, let's see. Drew Tim. He's, he's only 22. Get out. <laughs> There's no way that man is 22. That's the scene out of the bench warmers where the pitcher comes in and he's got the Crayola <laughs> birth certificate that says I'm 12 or whatever. And he's like a 35-year-old guy drinking scotch out of his glove. There's no way. I need to see a birth certificate on Drew Timmy. Born in 2000? Get out of here. No Yeah, he was born shot. in 2000. He doesn't even remember 9-11. Oh, my God. God. We're getting old, man. We're getting so we old. We are getting old. <laughs> um, you know, my brother, my brother the other day was in the argument with uh, me and my mom. He said, well, that's what people from the 1900s would say. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was just like, I am going to commit a murder in here. <laughs> <laughs> what a heinous line to drop on somebody. <laughs> On both me and my mom, you know, my mom and I just dropped it on us. Oh, that's a sad. Yeah, my no. mom was like at a loss for words, and I, I was seen red. <laughs> I would have been right there with you. No, I'm not. I'm not a fan of that. That's not a line I want to hear dropped in my direction anytime the soon. 1900s. Oh, you. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I get to. I every time I go home for the holidays, I get to. Talk to somebody who was born in 2001. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's insane. All right. Uh, yeah, at least all my siblings are still 1900s. Oh, man. <laughs> that is an unreal line to drop. Um. All right. I think that's a good little... We're, we're going to go more in depth here with basketball. We got to, I got to get some more, I got to get my eyes on more games. Now that college football is starting to wrap up bowl season, somewhat of a joke. Like it's fun to bet, but like nobody's really playing yeah. in bowls. It's, it's scouting for next year. You know, what quarterbacks are up on the rise, what players might be, might be there next year. I got to get some yeah. more games of basketball, but my initial opinion is that this is going to be a very, it's going to be a very roller coaster year. Like it almost always is in basketball at this point, because there's no, yeah, it's going to be up and down. I like when there's no dominant team though. Same. Like, like, that year that Baylor won. Oh my God! When you look back, you're like, "Yeah, Baylor was good all year." <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was the biggest Monday Monday quarterbacking in the world of like, how did I not have Baylor winning every one of my 25 brackets? Like, yeah. what was I like? I was out of my mind for not thinking that that team was so damn good in their stupid neon jerseys. So. The highlighter jerseys out of my face here, Baylor. Um, alrighty. Anything else before we uh, wrap this up? Yeah, we got to talk about uh, World Cup. 
We got no. Oh, <laughs> I do have one. Not necessarily the World Cup. World Cup's been great. I did enjoy it. Now I'm going to go back to not paying again about men's soccer until we're in it in 2026 because I think yeah, host countries automatically get a, a bid, so we don't gotta we don't have to worry about that. Um, the Boston Red Sox. A little talking baseball. I was. I woke up this morning seeing absolute red that Xander Bogarts was no longer going to be a Boston Red Sox for the primary reason of we could assign this man last season. And I have a simple question for much cheaper. Now, his contract is insane. We should not have matched the 11 years, 290 he's getting. That's an absurd contract. But Why am I not playing baseball? I was right. Um, we let Mookie Betts go, in the who mm-hmm. should have never been let go in the first place, but the way they sold that was this was going to allow us to have money to go out and build a bigger team. We had an The Red Sox had an awesome core in 2018 of young players, and they are virtually all gone at this point. So my simple question is, as an organization and ownership, what are you doing if your primary job isn't to draft, develop young studs, and then retain them? We're doing the first two. Drafting and developing guys, because we've had major studs now leave their team. We're all of a sudden a small market Oakland A's team that is getting coming in and having teams rate us for their players, still charging NFL prices at the stadium. Like, you're still charging an arm and a leg, but you're giving us the Walmart version of the team out there every, every game. It's absolutely ridiculous. I can't even speak coherently. I'm so angry about it. This ownership group in front office is absolutely worthless. And I, had, one of my coworkers was like, well, maybe you could have some guys in the farm system that'll come up. And I was like, what's the point? We just had that. Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts were homegrown guys, and we let them walk right out of the door. And now we got to sign Devers. Good luck doing that, given his best friend and Xander Bogarts just left. Like, it's just... It's absolutely ridiculous. So my message is at this point, like I'm going to support them until the day I die. Boston first love is is the Red Sox and baseball. That is that city's first love is baseball, and they charge up the nose to be a, a member of the Red Sox fandom, to go to games, to do anything associated with this team. This year, nobody should go. I mean, the, you could watch them all at home. They've got a good TV deal. Go to your local bar. Stay at home. Like. A message needs to be sent to ownership. This is just absolutely embarrassing. Unreal. So I don't think doing. we'll we'll be getting any Boston Red Sox um, sponsorships here. Any so no, not until manage, ownership changes or the front office changes over. Unreal. What's um, going on? I got I got one word for you, Nate. It's it's called hubris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't do it. Dante. I can't do it anymore with this team. It's infuriating. Oh. I hear you, man. All right. I hear you. That is not what I needed this morning when I woke up at like 2 in the morning to get up in a glass of water because apparently I'm an old person now. <laughs> and I saw that on my phone, and I was just raging at like 2 in the morning, firing off tech or tweets about it. Oh, God. All right, that's all I got. Now I'm angry. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else before we wrap this up? I think we've done a good job covering it. No, yeah, it. we've done a good job. We've done it. We've covered it all. We'll be back. And as always... Peace. Peace.